0: Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org.
1: Yay. Hey, everybody. Welcome. If this is your first time at Presence, would you just raise your hand? We just want to welcome you properly. Come on. Is there anyone... um, I just feel like the Lord was giving me a word from the Twenty One Project here. If you're if you're with them, stand up. Um, so this, actually, don't know a ton about it, um, so I'm ablibing right now. But they're here for three weeks in training with circuit writers. Is it just you three? Are any of you from Florida? Come on. Okay, so I have a word for you. Um, hallelujah. What's your name? Aaron. Yeah, Aaron. I um, I was sitting here during worship, and I'm like, there's somebody here from Florida with the 21 Project. I don't know a ton about it, but it's like the Lord was saying, he's given you a cruise ship. And as many cruises leave from Florida to go to the, I think, the prettier places that cruises go to, it's like the Lord was saying, he's given you a transition time. He's actually going to give you, like, um, uh, not a car, but a boat. It's going to be a different type of um transportation for you, and that he's leading you to a, a new place. Um, and I kept seeing 6-8. And the Lord speaks to me in numbers. It's bizarre because I'm horrible at math. But 6-8, so it could be six weeks, it could be six days, um, six months. But I just feel like the Lord is saying that he has something very very specific for you here and that in the next week there's going to be someone that you're going to meet that is tied to the transition time of your life. So, can we just can we just extend a hand? Remind me of your name again? Aaron. Yeah, Father, God, I just rain your blessings right now down on Aaron. Father, just fill him up in ways he would have never even expected, God. I just pray that these 3 weeks would be Transformational and Lord, whatever that transition period looks like, whatever that new transportation looks like for him, Father, that you would just right now just just cover and bless him in Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. God is real. You guys know that, and He speaks. He is real and He speaks. Um, well, it's it's a fun morning here at Presence because half of our staff is gone, so we're gonna we're gonna break all the rules this morning. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Pastor Jesse is in Hawaii, and Pastor Chris and Josie, they're in Santa Cruz. They sent me a photo yesterday of Josie sipping, drinking chocolate in Santa Cruz. Drinking chocolate. I'm like, how do I get there? And then, but what what Chris didn't mention was there was like this massive cookie on the table. He's like, oh, look at Josie and her drinking chocolate. I'm like, look at that cookie. He says, it didn't last very long. (laughs) It was huge. I've never seen a cookie so big. Anywho, they'll be back next week. Um, But this morning, Paris, my husband Paris and I just really felt like we wanted to co-teach on the presence of God. And um, if you don't know Paris, obviously he's, he's swole, as people say. I'm just like fit, and they're like swole. Um, But you know, one of the things that I get to see as a wife is, well, actually, I don't see it because I'm still sleeping. But that I know about is every morning he gets up and he works out, and people are able to see that because it's very evident. But before he works out, he spends time with the Lord every single morning. And, um, and so I'm excited that you get to see and hear from him this morning. I'm trying to get him to preach more often. Right now he's like twice a year. I'm trying to get him up here more often because he has really great things to say. You know, we went to the same Bible college and I studied way more than he did and he always made better grades than me. Not fair. Um, so not only is he incredibly good looking, but he's very intelligent. So he's going he's gonna to teach for 20 minutes and then I'm going to jump up and I'm going to teach like 15 minutes. You won't be here for, for super long, I promise. So if you will, let's embarrass him. Let's stand and um, welcome Paris as he comes on up to bring the word this morning.
0: Wow, babe. Thank you for that incredible intro. Why don't you tell me that at home? Just kidding. Just kidding. She does. She does. She's very good. She's very good. Thank you, love. Good morning, everybody. What is going on? Are we all awake? Are we all feeling good? All right. right, So let, let me be honest here. I'm still kind of getting used to teaching for two services. You know when you have like a really good story and you tell a friend, you're like, yo, this and this happened. I've got this and this to say. And then someone else doesn't hear it and they come and they ask you to tell the same story, but it's only been like 30 seconds. You're like, I'm going to try and tell it with the same exact enthusiasm that I just told it for the first time. You know, you catch my drift? So that's my goal for this morning. As I already taught in the first service. Those, those cats were cool. But we're going to try and keep it like up here for you all too. All right. Hashtag 1130 service. All right. So my wife kind of already did the intro. So we have some expectations. You know, the church's name is Presence. We're going to be talking about Presence. Hooray, hurrah. Oh, the other thing is, is like she said, it's kind of like sometimes not that I feel like they're mom and dad, but when mom and dad go out of town and you're home alone, you know, it's time to party. So we're going to party. We're going to party. It's going to get rowdy. And we're going to start by reading our Bibles and getting rowdy. So, if you have some kind of uh, electronic device that allows you to open the Bible app, or you still believe in the actual physical pages, the preference is yours. But the place that we will be going is Joshua 1, please and thank you, give me an amen when you get there. Wow, you're fast. Or you can raise your hand if you're not that much of a vocal person, that's fine too. If you want to get up and shake a little bit. That's cool. But Joshua 1 is the location. Drop a pin, Get there. All right. Verse 1. Make it easy for you. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the, land of, or from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and su- successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wow is right. How many of you guys have read the Scripture, heard the Scripture, familiar with the Scripture? Give me a raise of hands. I like, I like you know, anticipation. Okay, cool. So half the room. The rest of you, start reading your Bibles. Gee whiz. All right? So I, I love this verse. It's extremely popular. It's actually my son's life verse that my wife and I chose for him. Be strong and courageous. Super popular, right? Extremely popular. Why? Why is this verse so popular? In my opinion, I think it's because it is chock full of promises. We have got some fat promise, P-H-A-T, up in here. You have, I will give you every place where you set your foot. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Those are humongous claims. Those are huge promises Here's the best part in my mind is that a lot of us, sometimes we, we read the Old Testament and we kind of scratch our head and we're like, so what exactly about the Old Testament transfers into the new covenant? Like you have a lot of people, they quote Jeremiah 29, 11 for I know the plans I have for you. Right. They were speaking to Israel, but a lot of us grab onto that promise. Right. And we stick it in here for current time under a new covenant. The same goes for this, is we can translate it. Even though the Lord is speaking to Joshua in this time, it transfers over. It bleeds over from the Old Testament into the New, saying that the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You can take that. That's not just Old Testament. You can take that. So starting off, context. It's a big transitional period right here, all right? So he's saying we've just had the death of Moses. And we're entering this era of Joshua, who was Moses' aide, okay? And it's kind of a pinnacle moment where you're switching a big leader. I mean, Moses was a key hero of the faith that we hear in Hebrews, yeah? And so this guy is is dead now, and Joshua is taking over. And so it's this point of transition, okay, where you're leading a very large group of people to a very important place, the promised land. You all tracking with me? Beautiful. From this passage, we read... He promises us, and he's promising Joshua, his powerful presence. That's the big promise that he's, he's ending right here. Don't be afraid. Go into this land. I am with you. As we look at the leadership call on Moses and Joshua's life, we see that it started in God's presence. It says in an earlier chapter in Exodus that God called Moses out of the bush. Now, a lot of us know Moses' story, you know? He was the little baby that was put in the basket and then sent down the river, and he's picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, etc., etc., and the rest is history. But at the time of his call, the call of Moses was out of God's presence, and he was in this bush, and he's telling Moses, okay, you got to go back to Egypt because he's not there, and you have to go free my people. That was the call on Moses' life, and it was through God's presence. Now we have Joshua over here, which we just read in Joshua 1. And what's he telling him to do? Go to the promised land. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Go cross the Jordan. That's where we're going to start. They head into Jericho. And so they were launched by God's providence, what he's telling them to do, right? And they're promoted out of their intimacy with God's presence. That's where they start. Now... A little bit more real quick, so you just have good expectation. My wife and I are co-teaching this morning. I have that great honor. I'm going to be kind of going back in time. So I'm going to cover the presence of God through the eyes and context of Moses. Then we hit this transitional period that we're at right now, and then Nicole is going to cover that context through Joshua's life, all right? It's a lot, so bear with me. I'm going to be trying to be fast and efficient, Have you guys ever asked the question, what is the presence of God? What does it mean? You go to a church, it says presence, just FYI. (laughs) Just FYI. Because I think that in order to really appreciate something, you have to understand it or you have to have experienced it in some way, shape, or form. Let me give you an example. My kids, maybe you've seen them before, Rosella and Rorick. Rorick, my son, he's two and a half. Rosella, she's one and a half. And we have our little boy coming in three weeks, give or take. Two weeks, two and a half weeks, 2.1, a couple days, who knows? Her water might break while she's teaching. We'll see. Um, Here's the point. If I were to, if it were Christmas, and I were to grab a box, wrap it up nice and pretty, and I were to stash $1 million in it in bills and slide it in front of my kids and say, Merry Christmas, they open the box, would they know what to do with a million dollars in bills? No, what would they probably do with it? They would rip it up, stuff it in their diapers, potentially eat it, I'm not sure, but we look at it and we're like, holy crap, that's one million dollars, and my kids are like, stuff, stuff. There's no appreciation for what that is, right? In fact, let's be honest, they'll probably be more obsessed with the box that it came in and the fancy wrapping paper. No appreciation for a million dollars, right? So in the same way, if we don't really know what the presence of God is, what it means, we can't really appreciate it. So that's why we're going to take a look at it in the context through Moses. Um, I'm going to read another piece of scripture. I'm going to kind of bounce around so you can go there if you want, but don't feel like you need to because I'll read it. It is Exodus 33. So if you want to flip there, click there, whatever, get there, and we're going to go. 33 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. That's a lot of people. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked, I say necked, but it's necked, stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. That's not good. So let's take a step back. What is going on here and what has uh, basically made God tell Abraham or sorry Moses this? Context again. Moses had just gone up to Mount Sinai, all right? And this was a place that he would commune with God. And so God had instructed him, go up here. But God had a lot to tell Moses on this particular occasion. Because of that, this this particular thing that happened where he was up on the mountain lasts for like 10 chapters in Exodus. It's a lot. I'm like, how did Moses remember all this? He's like, you're going to build this, and they're going to dress this way, and it's going to be in this measurement, and, and I'm like, that's a lot of information. But nonetheless, because of that, it takes a while for Moses to get all this stuff. So he is on Mount Sinai for 40 days. It's a long time. And the people that he's leading, the Israelites, he leaves behind. They're at camp. Well, the Israelites and what we know about them is that they started to get a little restless. They're like, Moses, where is this guy? Where did he go? It usually does not take him this long to go up the mountain and come back down. It's been however long at this point. And so they say, Brother Aaron, I don't know if Moses is coming back. And if we don't have the mouthpiece of God, we need something else. So we're going to give you our jewelry, our bracelets, our necklaces, everything. And we want you to make a golden calf for us. Would you mind doing that? Sounds like it was a little bit more coercive than that. But nonetheless, that's the premise. So Aaron collects everything, makes this golden calf. While Moses is up on the mountain, God is downloading him with all this stuff. And then he also says, oh, by the way, your people are doing stupid stuff. You may want to get down there. I'm going to wipe them out. So Moses is like, God, please hold the phone. Do not destroy this people. I beg you, let me go down and see what's going on. Here's my favorite part. Well, not only had they constructed a calf, but then they got drunk and did a bunch of other stuff that was not good either. You can read about it yourself. Here's my favorite part. Moses comes down. When Moses came close enough to the camp to see the bull calf and to see the people dancing, he became furious. There at the foot of the mountain, he threw down the tablets he was carrying that God had given him and broke them. He took the bull calf, which they had made, melted it, ground it into fine powder, mixed it with water, and then made the people of Israel drink it. You remember that piece? That's fun. He said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you have made them commit such a terrible sin? And so Moses is like, need to do some damage control, because these people are cray, right? So we return back to that verse. We're wondering, what drove God to say, I am no longer coming with you, you stiff-necked people, right? You can go, but I ain't going, because I'm going to kill y'all. That's why. So at this point, Moses responds to God, and he says, if your presence does not go with us. Do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? We're going to stop there for just a second. That response right there, I have read many a time. But for whatever reason, on this one, I was just like, That is crazy to me. That's nuts. Let me tell you why. God says, I want you to lead my people. I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. You guys can go into that promised land. I'm actually, I will do you a solid. I'll send an angel ahead of you to wipe out all these people that are already there. And you will still inherit the promised land. Because I made that promise with you. I'm just not going to go. Kind of a bummer, right? But they're still going to get their reward. They still get to go to the promised land. Hooray, hurrah, you would think. But this is the moment that they have all been waiting for. And God has said, go ahead. I grant you access. I'll send you an angel. Let me put it in this way, though. Have any of you ever had a big dream? Have any of you ever had a really big goal? Take this for instance. Sorry, I'm not outing the younger people because you guys, I'm sure, have dreams as well. But maybe someone with a, a little more years on them. Can you imagine dreaming sleeping, fighting, pursuing this one thing. In other words, like, I'm going to give you this thing, John. I'm going to give you this thing, destiny. And you are, that's all you think about. You're obsessed. You're like, that's where I'm going. And it's taken me forever to get there. But I'm going to get there, right? And then finally, you have access to it. It's like, finally, yes, I'm stepping in. To this thing that I've been waiting for my entire life. Let's put it in the context of Moses. The captivity of the Israelites in Egypt had been prophesied way before actually to Abraham. He said, your people are going to be in a place that is not their own. And they're going to be in captivity for 400 years under Egyptian rule. It's a long time, guys. 400 years. And so Moses knows that. He knows that, but he was a little baby. He was sent down the river, right? He was picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. He was brought up in that court. Then he gets to the point where he grows up. He sees that one of the Egyptians is mistreating one of the Israelites, ends up killing the Egyptian. He flees. And then while he's in the state out in Midian, away from Egypt, away from his people, is when God comes and tells him, you are going to go back to Egypt, and you are going to be the one to free my people. At that point, the call happens, right? But it's far from over. We know the story. He goes back. He's scared. He doesn't want to do it. But then he gets Aaron as well to help him out. But look at all this stuff that that, they have, that he has to go through. He goes plagues over and over the, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart over and over. We've got frogs. We've got boils. We've got blood. We've got hail. We've got death. You name it, it happened. And then Pharaoh's going, yes, okay, no, and yes, and then no, and let my people go. And finally, it gets to this point where he's like, okay, finally, leave. You're out. And then it's like a day later. Never mind. We're going after them. Right. And then they get to the Red Sea and the Red Sea parts and they go through the Red Sea and the Egyptians die. Right. But then they head into the wilderness and it's 40 years. We're hungry. I give you manna. We're thirsty. I rock on a rock and then water comes out and now you have water. But we're just circling around in the wilderness. There's so much stuff. And where are they going? What is the goal? Promised land. Right. All that stuff. Moses' entire life goal, his life purpose was to lead these people to this one place. And then where does he find himself? God saying, okay, go ahead. I'm going to give you an angel. You get out of here. Go to that promised land. I'm just not going to go with you. And what does Moses say? If you don't go, I'm not going. His entire life, guys devoted to this one thing and then what does he say if you're not going if you're not presence is coming that dream that whole entire life mission you know that thing that i slept and dealt with all these people i'm not going that's crazy can you imagine giving that up A whole life mission. That's how much the presence, the glory of God mattered to Moses. That's how much the presence, the glory of God should be to us. He knew, he knew that the promised land was coming. But it was nothing compared to the glory, the manifested presence of God. There, there is a good, a good part. God says, I, I will actually come with you right? says, okay, okay, Moses, I hear you. I'll come with you. (laughs) And Moses isn't even like, okay, thank you. Let's, Let's go before he changes his mind or these people do something stupid again, right? It wasn't even that. He was just like, okay, show me your glory. Show it to me. It wasn't even like, let's take that first step. It was like, okay, I'll stay here. Just show me your glory. I'm waiting for your glory, your presence right now, right here, please. Because it was still most important. Pastor Bill Johnson has a couple good quotes that I like on the presence of God. And it's interesting because um, in the intense presence of God, nothing else matters. It is the ultimate fulfillment of why you're alive. People talk about purpose in life. They're like, I don't know my life's purpose. There you go. I answered it for you. You're welcome. It satisfies the hunger that nothing has ever satisfied before. Nothing comes close. And the reason? It's because that's where we were designed to be. It's how things started. We think about the Garden of Eden, right? They were walking with God in the garden. How much more intimate can you get? That was the beginning, and it will be the end. Because we're going to be in the presence of God eternally, Yes. And I've th- I th- I thought to myself, when I was younger, I didn't really understand. I was like, wait, so we're just going to kind of like be there with him? That's, that's, that's eternity? Like, that's it? Obviously, now you're just like, yeah, that's it. That's what you meant by that's it. That's all I need is just to be in the presence of God, to be in his glory. You want dreams and desires, you have them, start in his presence. You want to write, speak, change the world? Start in his presence. You want to parent well, you want to go after all God has put in you? Start in his presence. You want to overcome addiction? Start in his presence. You want to overcome fear? Start in his presence. That's where it starts. And how many of us know that there are different levels to his presence, to his glory? There's different levels, guys. Even the the reason that Moses knew even to say that is because he had experienced the levels of it before. I told you. He was in the tent of meeting. And he would talk to God in the form of a cloud. He would go up to Mount Sinai, right? And he would experience him that way. He saw him in the bush when he was first called. He had experienced levels of his presence. And it's a kind of a fun story. It doesn't really necessarily directly apply to this. But when he says, now show me your glory, in that verse that I just said, it was like the ultimate level of his presence. Because he says, okay, Moses. But I tell you what. Because of the level of my presence that I'm about to show you, you cannot see my face. He says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of this rock right over here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn. I'm going to put my hand so you can't see my face because you're not going to be able to take it. And I'm going to turn and you can see my back. Because that's the level of presence that I'm going to show you right now. And so he did that. And guess what the result was? Moses came down from the mountain And his face shined so brightly and so crazily that the people of Israel were scared of him. They didn't know what to do. They're like, what is going on with your face right now? And from that point on, off and on, he had to wear a veil so that the people would not be scared of him. He took it off and then put it back on. Because the presence, the reflection of God's presence from his face was so intense that the people couldn't take it. And you're going through all this stuff, and we're starting in his presence, that being the most important thing. Here's, here's the one last thing I'll leave you off, is beware that this place, his presence, the deeper you go, the more levels you experience. Sometimes the original thing that you thought was the goal, the end, the reward, all of a sudden seems less in comparison. Only because your main focus, or your main goal has been replaced by God himself. That's the point that Moses was at of that. So that's the context of how Moses experiences and knows God's presence. Okay? But now at Joshua one we're at this fulcrum. And so now we're gonna talk about how Moses' aide, Joshua, experienced God as well as a leader. And my beautiful wife is gonna take this piece.
1: Yeah. Hallelujah. So so Paris already read Joshua 1. I'm just going to run us through a couple other things. He brings all the smart things. I'm going to bring some of the, the practical mama bear things. But I want to read to us one more time. He read through some of it, but Exodus 33, and this is the text that I'm going to be teaching from, that I'm going to be pulling from this morning. Um, So so here we go. Verse seven, Exodus 33, seven, it says, Moses used to pitch a tent outside the camp at some distance. It was called the tent of meeting. Anyone who wished to consult the Lord would go to that tent away from the camp. So away from all the people. Wherever Moses went out to the tent, the people would rise and stand at the entrance of their own tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses entered the tent, the column of cloud would come down and stand at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. On seeing the column of cloud stand at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and bow down at the entrance of their own tents. Verse 11, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a person speaks to a friend. Moses would then return to the camp. But his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, never left the tent. The thing that gets me from this text, the thing that I'm just in awe, isn't just that Moses would talk to God face to face. Isn't that that God would talk to Moses and then send Moses out to share with the people? Because let's be honest, if Paris said, you know, I'm going to go in this the VIP room over here. I'm going to go in the VIP room and I'm going to get a word from the Lord. I'm going to bring it out and I'm going to deliver it to y'all. It's going to be very specific for each of you. We'd probably stay and hang out just a little bit longer to hear what God had to say. And it's not even that, that I'm like, whoa. It's the last verse that if you read over quickly, you'll miss. It says, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a person speaks to a friend. Moses would then return to the camp but his young assistant, everybody say assistant, his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, never left the tent. You know what's interesting here is that as Moses would come back to share with the people what God had said for them specifically, that the verse says Joshua, son of Nun, was so intrigued, was so overwhelmed. Some verses say lingered. We'll get to that in a second, that he stayed. Not inside, at the entrance. Because the presence of God meant something. And just as, as Paris shared, Moses was developed out of intimate, intimacy with God. I also believe that Joshua, the reason he was chosen as a leader, the reason he would, he would actually lead people into the promised land, was because he was promoted out of intimacy. Even intimacy that he didn't fully get to have, because he was on the outside of the tent. Intimacy with God will change your life. It'll change your life. When I first became a believer, I I was a a sophomore in high school. Um, I I didn't really go to church. And when I did, it was a Baptist church. And we just dressed nice and didn't talk a lot. And grandpa had mints. That was really fun for me. I don't know why. I guess because it was candy. I'm not sure. But church wasn't to connect with God, it was to hear how not to do certain things and then to leave. At least that was my experience. But, but when, when you meet God and you have intimacy with the Father, it'll change you. It'll change your perspective. It'll change your lifestyle. It'll change the way in which you view eternity, the way in which you view life. But a lot of times, we forsake intimacy with God because we don't get in His presence. Now, I'm here to tell you that if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's with you always. He goes with you always. He sent His Holy Spirit to dwell within you. You're a temple, so you carry the presence of God. We know that. And, and who knows, especially if you have kids in the room, I used to be able to fold laundry and spend time with God and do the dishes and spend time with God and go on a walk and spend time with God. But now i got two rugrats and I can't hardly think straight. Y'all know what I mean? So, so though God is with me, it's not the same as it used to be. And so life changes, stages change, and seasons change. And so we've got to constantly figure out, how do I get intimacy with God? And the reason I think that we forsake it, the reason I believe that we d- don't make it a priority is because it's often in the unseen It's in the place where where nobody gets to see God developing you. And it's the place where, where you feel unknown by everybody else, but you're being known more and more by the Father. It's the unseen, the unknown, the place where he is developing you and he is growing you. But to everybody else, you just look hidden. And to be hidden in the glory of God is amazing. But to the world, it looks different. Because to be hidden on social media must mean that you're not up to date with things. And to be hidden from the social events that you've been invited to must mean that you're not in the in crowd. And, and to be hidden from being married or, or walking with your friends or doing the things you used to do, it must mean that you've lost it. You're not as cool or you're not as relevant or you're not as whatever fill in the blank. But in this place... This is the place in which God will grow you. This is the place in which he, he will start to reveal to you what he has for you. This is the place where you don't need the approval of other people. It's where you'll start to not care, at least. I feel like our generation always wants a platform. We want, you know, Paris was telling me, he read a statistic that said um, that, that like a 13 year old's dream is to be an influencer on Instagram. Now I want to be an an influencer on Instagram for Jesus. Amen. I believe in the power of social media, but that, that that's the dream of a 13 and a 14 year old to be an influencer on Instagram. Let me tell you what you want a platform. Heaven's a pretty big audience. And you know what? You're going to be in this place with God for all eternity. Instagram is gonna fade and Facebook apparently is fading and all these things, life and on earth is gonna fade. But the presence of God is the thing that's gonna sustain you. It's the thing that's gonna be eternal. And so we have to figure out a way in which we get in the presence of God. I've shared with y'all before, with this community before that that for a while the Lord was waking me up at four in the morning. And I was real mad at first because I'm like, I don't want to be up at four in the morning. But that was the time in which I just got to lay my hands on my husband and pray, or get down on the floor, because if I stayed in bed I'd fall back asleep. But get back down on the floor and just ask God, God, I just want more. I just want more of you. Reveal more of you to me. And 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 I tell you that I've had more revelation in five minutes of that than five years of trying more revelation in the presence of God. The verse, verse two says that that Joshua lingered in a lot of the, the, the verses. Now, Joshua is just an assistant. See, there's somebody in here, you're just an assistant. You're just a temp. You're just working to get by. But the more you crave the intimacy of God, he will promote you out of that. You are not defined by your title and you are not defined by your job or the car you drive or the neighborhood you live in. You are defined by your relationship with God that will define you for eternity. Lingering is an interesting thing because you linger around the things you like, right? When I was in college, uh, I I met Paris and um, I actually didn't have any friends because I had moved here from Kentucky and I didn't know anybody and so all I did was study anyways, but I really liked when that cute boy was at the library and I could study with him. I did the quotes the last service. I don't know why I did the quotes. We really just studied in the library, I promise. But I would linger around. I would hang out in the library. I'm talking, he thought, you actually thought I was hitting on you for quite some bit because I I literally just wanted to study and be around him, but I would like text him on Friday night like, hey, you want to go to the library? He's like, "Um, it's Friday night. What What is she doing? I literally just wanted to go to the library, but I could linger around that man all day long studying because I wanted to get to know him. I wanted to know who he was. And he was nice to look at, so that helped out also. <laughs> the more and more you get to know God, and not, not just reading, the more and more you get to know God, the more you're going to want to linger in his presence. Because I, I know there's some of you, and you're probably thinking this because I've thought it, like, oh gosh, she's telling us to like sit for an hour in silence and just wait I don't know if I can do that. But I'm telling you, the more you do that, start with five minutes. You'll want 10. And then when you're at 10, you'll want 20. When you're lingering in the presence of God and you get to know him more and he he reveals himself to you and he reveals things to you, you'll want to be there longer. And let me tell you, we're going to spend eternity with him. So you might want to get to know him. You're not gonna spend, I mean, maybe your friends and your spouse. I always tell Paris we're still married in heaven. He argues with me sometimes. But but God's for sure gonna be there. <laughs> you're, you're for sure gonna be aware of his presence. And so let us practice what it means to get in the presence of God consistently. Joshua remained in the glory without seeking the glory of men. See, Joshua, he was the assistant you know, low on the the totem pole, but he could have still gone with Moses as Moses delivered the word. And he could have stood behind Moses and I'm the assistant to Moses. But he was so overwhelmed by the glory of God and not overwhelmed by the glory of people that he stayed there, that he stayed at the door, that he stayed right outside just to get whatever he could get lingering in the presence of God. See, a lot of people, a lot of people think out here is where I can be known and seen. And out here, if I promote myself the right way and I position myself the right way and I make the right connections and I talk to the right people and I dress a certain way and I act a certain way, this is the place in which I'm going to get promoted. But I'm telling you, I don't see that in the Bible. Find me someone that was promoted that way in Scripture most they're like, wait, who are you promoting? Wait, why is that person leading them? It's back here. It's in the presence of God. It's in the unknown, the unseen, the place where God develops us, the place where we have intimacy with the Father, the place where he reveals things to us, the place where people can't see is where we're promoted out of. And I've seen it happen over and over again. I've seen it in my own life. And I've seen it in the lives of other people. God is not worried about your social media account. God is not worried about your selfie that has a Bible verse attached to it. He actually wants to spend more time with you than reading Bible verses with your selfie. He wants more time with you, He wants relationship with you. Y'all okay? I'm real pregnant and I feel like a mama bear, so I'm going after it. You know what I mean? (laughs) psalm 16 says in his presence is fullness of joy in his presence is fullness of joy which tells me outside of his presence is not the fullness of joy you need a joy tank fill up you get in his presence you need a new perspective you get in His presence you want the fullness of life on earth for eternity in his presence is fullness of joy. And as Paris shared, the promise is attached to the presence. There is a promise on each of your lives. There is a calling, a passion, whatever, whatever word you want to use for it. I'll, I'll say promise that is attached to you, that is specific for you. You know that you were born for such a time as this. Each and every one of you, you were born for such a time as this. Hallelujah, because I wouldn't have made it like 90 years ago. I wouldn't have made it. I would have died by now. But you were born for such a time as this. There is a promise attached to you, but the way in which you unlock it, the way in which it's revealed is in his presence. That's where you find it. And, and, and I said this last service, and I want to say it again, and I want to be really clear. Reading the Bible is very smart. You should. People die to read this. People today still travel miles upon miles secretly to get together for someone to read this to them. We should not take this for granted. This is a privilege. Don't let it just collect dust at your house. Open it up. But let me tell you, if we only read and we don't go after relationship, we're missing out. In the same way, if we only go after relationship and supernatural, charismatic, crazy, go with the wind, what's God saying today? I'm going to go in a circle and not read my Bible. That's not a good idea either. We need to have relationship and we need to read the word. They need to be 50-50 or 100-100, however you want to put it. God wants to encounter you. I did not, when I first became a believer, if you would have said encounter, I would have thought you'd have been crazy or high or something. I did not know what an encounter was. God wants to encounter you. He wants to have time with you like he had with Moses. He wants to reveal things to you. We are connected to the Savior. We should have the best business ideas coming out of the church. We should have the best inventions coming out of the church. If someone who is not connected to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, can create a, a new type of car or business or invent something really rad that changes the world, please tell me what should be coming out of the church. It's, it, I, I pray for this all the time. I pray that God uses Presence OC Church to have new inventions and new business ideas. Come. I, I pray for that over you all often. Yeah, receive that word. We should be the most creative and inventive people, the church. We're connected to God who created everything and has all the answers. I don't know why. Anywho, the second thing throughout the verse that Paris read in, in Joshua 1, we see a theme. And it's a theme be strong and courageous. And God says it over and over. It's like three or four times. You know when God repeats something, you need to listen? God ever repeated anything to y'all? you're like, okay, the 28th time. Okay, God. <laughs> I didn't get it the first 27 times, but now I understand. He'll speak the same thing to you. Whenever you get prophetic words, if someone gives you an encouraging word or a verse or whatever, write it down or record it. Because typically what I'll do, I'll send people through prophetic activations to find out what God is saying to them. God will speak the same thing to you. And if you write them down or you record them, you can go back and listen. You're like, oh, God kept saying this thing. And it may not make sense for now, but it'll make sense later. And you'll be like, oh, that's why he said it 12 times. He like, he knows us, you know? He's like, I gotta speak to them 45 times. I gotta speak to that person 12. But he's consistent. And so he tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. See, God's not unaware of where we live He's not unaware of earth. He's not unaware of the, you know, the things out of our control, if you will. He knows. Listen, you're going to need to be strong and courageous. I'm going to go with you. You don't have anything to worry about, but I need you to be strong and courageous. So when you're not feeling strong, when you're not feeling courageous, remember I told you three or four times in like three sentences to be strong and courageous. God is reassuring Joshua of what's to come. Because who in the house, if you knew you were about to have some kind of stumbling block or go through something, if God said, listen, you're about to go through something. I just need you to be strong and courageous. I'm going to go with you. We're going to get through it. Who knows? That would be easier to get through. You're like, oh, cool. God said, be strong and courageous in this. He's going to go with me. I'm going to get through this. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, when we worry about issues that we face, it's because we have a lack of faith. It's because we're not sure if God's going to come through. It's because we're not sure of who he is or what he has said about us or our life. When we hit those issues, we should literally walk through like we're Christ followers and not let them hold us up. Because to people, things will look impossible, but Scripture says that with God, all things are possible. And you get to take the be strong and courageous with you, like Pear said. We get to take these promises throughout the Word, and we get to apply them now. I did a a little word study because I'm a nerd on the word strong here. It's it's a chizak, and it means this. I just thought this was really cool. It means a strength that comes from binding oneself to something. It's literally the same type of binding as like a book like how this is bound together. And that's what strong means here, that we would bind ourselves together with Christ, who will hold us together, who will keep us strong, who will give us courage, who, who when we're shaken, it doesn't fall apart because we're so bound together. I'm convinced that in his presence, his promises over our lives are revealed. I'm convinced that in his presence is where he'll prepare us for the things that we're supposed to do on earth. There is a mission attached to your life. You are meant to do something. And it's only here in his presence where he'll start to prepare you and reveal those things to you and give you access into what it looks like. And then and then what happens is after, after he's revealed the promise to you, after he's prepared you for it, he'll light a fire and he'll send you. He'll light a fire in you and you'll know it's go time. And as an urgent person, I am real urgent, y'all. I married the most patient man on the earth and I'm real urgent. So, you know, we had to work through that. But as an urgent person, a lot of times, and I speak for myself, I'm not, I'm not dissing y'all, a lot of times people, if they're urgent and they're ready to go or they're passionate or they're whatever, I, I see people going without God, really but, but for a God thing. Like, oh, I'm going to go plant this church, I'm going to go start this ministry, I'm going to go do this business, it's going to give back to the church, or it's going to feed the homeless, but I haven't talked to God about it, I haven't spent time in his presence, I'm just going to go because it sounds really good. We got to get in the presence to hear what it is and what it looks like and how we're going to do it. God's actually really specific. I mean, I think I shared this two weeks ago. Think about Noah. God gave Noah very specific dimensions for a boat he would build. God is very strategic. God isn't just fly off the cuff, we'll see when we get there. Now, he's adventurous <laughs> and he doesn't always tell us. So it feels that way. But he's actually really strategic. And he'll reveal things to you. Like, go look at the stock market today and ask God where you should invest. And then come back and buy us a building. (laughs) Some of y'all got that. He's really strategic, though. And he'll light this fire in us that sends us forth. And we'll know it's go time. Why? Because we've spent time in the presence developing and growing that very thing. I'm going to share a funny story with y'all. And then I'm going to close. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I'm allowed, by the way, because I'm really pregnant, I'm allowed to share pregnancy stories, okay? So if it makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. The church is going to talk about real things. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, I went into labor on on Halloween. I went into the hospital. I said, this baby is not coming out today. I just want all of you to know. Um, But so, so Paris and I, we had just adopted our son um, at that point. So we had a, a little bitty newborn and we weren't quite sure, like we don't really celebrate Halloween, but are we going to be those like parents that do the harvest so you can get the same amount of candy and go to the same amount of festivities, but you're not like celebrating demons. Like we hadn't yet decided, are we going to be the Halloween people or the harvest people or what are we going to do? And we were new parents. So we're like, we'll just have friends over for pizza and just hang out. And so, um, and I'm totally one of those people that gives out, like, apples and toothbrushes, so the kids don't like to come to my house. Um, so, so our friends, they're, they're on their way over, and they're like, hey, just so you know, we really wanted to take some photos. My girlfriend actually is an influencer on Instagram, and she's like, we have these, you know, amazing costumes that, as the family we're dressed up in. And I'm thinking, shoot we don't have anything. Like we weren't prepared for this, but I'm from Kentucky. So I got a lot of hillbilly material just by accident. So I just went to the closet and I dressed us all up as hillbillies. Um, and I was really pregnant. I was 10 days away from, um, from delivering. And so my hair was greasy already. I just put some foam rollers put on top of my head and I said, we hillbillies and it worked. We looked like hillbillies. Um, I didn't bring the photo. You can, I've shown it to some of you before. You can look on my Instagram. Anyways, so, um, so we pulled it off. You know, we're like, yeah, we have a costume too. We totally planned this. Not at all, but we looked good. Anyways, so they leave. We eat our pizza, we hang out, they leave. And we had sold a bed from our guest room. And so Paris was going to drop it off that night to this young guy who had bought this bed from us. And I said, you know, I think I'll go with you. Our son was asleep, and we had a housemate, and so he was there. So I'm like, I think I'll just go with you. It's just down the street. So we're at this guy's house, and Paris is unloading the bed, and I'm sitting in the truck when all of a sudden the very thing that everyone said wouldn't happen to me as a first-time mom happened. My water broke. And the first thing that I wanted to do was a rise, was like get up and go. Luckily, we were at a stop because I might have just opened the door and jumped out of the truck. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. But I remember thinking, it's go time. It's time to go. Like, I haven't I been birthing this thing, I haven't been growing this thing, I've been developing this thing, it's time to go. And so I, I jump out of the truck and I said, um, uh, Paris, it's time to go. And he's like unloading the bed. Like, oh, okay, honey. Like being sweet that he is and unloading the bed with the guy and I maybe gave it two seconds. It felt like an eternity to me and I'm like, no. You know the look, the wife look? Husbands, you know the wife look. It's like the, oh, you didn't hear me the first time? Oh, I, I wasn't strong enough the first time? Oh, okay. The sweetness didn't work? Okay. Um, it's time to go now. It's time to go now. And so he's like looking at me like, oh. And there's a poor little like 20-year-old guy that's buying the bed from us. And I went, my water broke. And he's He's terrified. <laughs> I mean, I scared him. I gave him natural birth control right then and there because he ain't trying to have what he just saw, you know? I scared him. So, so we—Paris, <laughs> I think, just, like, pushes everything out of the truck at that time, and, and we, we're going. It's, it's go time. It's time to go. I ain't trying to, like, labor in, my, in the truck. I'm not trying to do squats in the parking lot. Like, I done, I done been there for too long, and I'm 10 days early, and I'm praising the Lord, but we going, and in the same way, when God has been giving you revelation about something in his presence, when he has been birthing something in you, when you've been getting excited about something, when you've been working on a foot one day, sometimes people are like, what would you do today? Um, I grew a foot. What would you do today? You know, but, but like when we're in the presence and we're focused on what God is saying about the promise attached to our life, and we're focused on the business or the ministry or the f- whatever it may be, And then he says, it's go time. We're ready. And we're on a mission. And nothing will stop us. It won't be distractions that will stop us. It won't be discouraging words that will stop us. It won't be speed bumps along the way that will stop us. It won't be, well, we didn't get this in time because we've been with the Lord. And he's revealed to us. And he's prepared us. And he has said, it's go time. And when God says it's go time, people don't stop you. Verse 2 says, Therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all these people, to the land in which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. I'll end with this. When God is saying, Be strong and courageous, that is after he says, Arise and go. That's wild to me. And a lot of times, that's what it will look like in our life. God will say, Listen, you've spent time with me. I'm promoting you out of my intimacy. I need you to go. And then he'll give you the instructions. He'll tell us where we're going, but we don't get all the steps. And if you're a planner in the house, this is hard for you. But if you've spent time with God and you've got to know him and you know his character and you know he's good and you know that his promises are yes and amen. I love that we sang that song today. That you won't need every step of the way. And you'll feel confident when someone says, so what's new? And you're like, I don't know. I'm just following God right now. Hey, so what's going on in your life? Same thing. I'm just spending time with God and going after what he's called me to do. You won't feel a confidence shift because you'll know that in the presence of God, you've got to know Father. You've got to know him. And you've got to know his heart and his will for your life. And so you'll stand in a place of confidence with him, knowing sometimes he sends me without all the instructions. I hate instruction manuals. I never read them. I would, i rather just put something together and it just be a hot mess. But like, I really expect God to give me every single step of the way and where I'm going and what I'm eating and what I'm wearing and who I'm meeting and who I'm taking. And, and it just doesn't always work that way. And it's actually better when it doesn't because God, he, his plans are better than ours. They're a lot better than ours. And sometimes He needs our commitment before He gives us the condition. Sometimes He'll ask for your commitment first before you have all the information. When the Lord asked me to move to California, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a job. I had no idea what I was doing. I was a senior in college on a full ride to university. And the Lord said, Drop it, go to Bible college. I didn't know what was coming next. I still don't know what's coming next. A baby, yes. yes, The baby's coming in Jesus' name. But a lot of times God will say, listen, get moving. Arise and go, and then I'm going to give you the rest of the information. I I have a land for you that you're going to possess, but just be strong and courageous. Know that I go with you. Grow in my presence and go. And the rest will come. I'm going to have all of y'all stand. And I want you to get your phones out. Or if you're a note taker pick up your notebook and pen. I want you to write down two things. I'm an activator, so I want to activate all of you and what it looks like to, to be in the presence of God. I want you to write these two questions down. The first one, are you spending time in the presence of God? Are you spending time in the presence of God? And you can put, you know, priority question mark there. Are you making it a priority? And these are things you can dwell on later. I just want you to get the questions down. The second one, what is it that God's been saying to you about your desires, the things that he wants you to arise and go on? What is it? Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's an idea. just want you to write that down. What is it that God has been saying to you? And maybe you're like, well, Pastor Nicole, I haven't been in the presence, so he hasn't really been saying. What is it inside of you that you get so excited about that you want to go on, that you need to take into the presence of God? And I'm going to pray for us as we close here. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we have access to you. God, I thank you that we get to have relationship with you, Father. I thank you that you never leave or forsake us, that you go with us. God, that your presence is always with us, Lord. And right now, Father, I pray for encounters for each person in this room. I pray for dreams in the middle of the night. I pray for visions in the middle of the day. Father, you would begin to speak to each person in this room like you've never spoken to them before. And I pray for the couple of people. I feel like there's like three to five people you've never had an encounter with God. And it's going to start this week. God is going to start showing up and revealing himself to you. And I just hear like, get prepared. Get ready. Encounters are coming your way. It would be odd if I walked into my house with my husband and never talked to him and just read about him. So right now, I just, yeah, I declare encounters upon encounters upon encounters. Yeah, Lord, pray covering and blessing over each person here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you're on the prayer team, come on forward. If you need prayer, these prayers. Prayer warriors are incredible. They want to pray for you. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. Love you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org
1: to find out more about Presence Church.